0: So Andy has seen my my family, or at least
1: most of them. I've, yeah, his wife's real. I know, I've met her. I, I don't I, know what, what he yeah. has on her to keep her coming back. But so
0: I said to Sarah, I was like, so so, what do you think of Andy? He's like you, but See, English.
2: That's potentially dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> He's like you,
0: but English. He's like you, but English. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, that makes me think there was an episode of the odd couple it's a flashback episode and Elijah cook jr plays a uh like a a, a hitman and ultimately he can't do the uh, the killing of felix and oscar and and, I, and felix says oh he's like us and and his response is i should kill you for saying that <laughs> <laughs> where am i
0: The Voyager cast. Who are you? The second in command. What do you want? To cover every iteration of Star Trek.
2: I will not watch Voyager, Enterprise, Picard, Lower Decks, Prodigy, or Discovery. My life is my own.
0: By hook or by crook, you will.
2: I am not a prisoner of your podcast whims.
0: Alright, you want to do the prisoner?
2: Alright then. The village people. An exploration of the prison with Paul Spataro, Dave Pascarella, Bill Robinson and Andrew Leyland. Hello and welcome to the village people as we reach the penultimate episode of Patrick McGowan's seminal 1960s mind trip, The Prisoner. Returning as
1: number two, me, Andrew Leyland.
2: I am also joined as ever by the supervisor Paul Spataro.
1: who is number
2: 1
1: you oh number 6 I am not I'm not a number I'm a free man
2: the umbrella man Dave pascarella
1: I don't even know what to
2: say yeah <laughs> hanging in here. yeah I was limited in the amount of people that's in this episode, to be honest with you. So that, of course, makes Bill Robinson the butler. Good,
0: <laughs> good butler. That would to be d- a fantastic butler. On today's program, three men in a
2: room. So today's episode sees the return of Leo McKern as number two returning from the chimes of Big Ben all the way back at essentially the beginning of the series he's the only actor that's come back as number two isn't he? Well,
0: other actors yes, have been as, as number two other actors have
2: like, you know, just been there Yeah. <laughs> so he's the only actor to return as number two and he's pretty much the entire guest cast apart from, you know, the butler and the supervisor, both of whom are here
3: Come in. Take off your hat in my presence. Sorry, sir. The prisoner is made to
0: relive his childhood.
3: Mm. 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 Straight! Confidential! Set your... You're scared. No! Can you take it? Fool! Mm. such, such business, He's above the law! Above the law! Above the law, yes. Tell me! Never! You're guilty! No.
0: Another exciting adventure of Patrick McGowan in The Prisoner. Oh, the yeah, boy. You can do
1: it all, boy. You're the one that bad. You won't step over the threshold because you're scared. Go on! Kill! Ah!
2: The synopsis is the prisoner faces ruthless interrogation in an effort to make him reveal why he resigned from his top secret job. One man must break the prisoner on number two. And for the loser, it is the end. Again, Scotland saw this first on the 25th of January 1968. The rest of the uh, British Isles seeing it on Friday, the 26th of January 1968. U.S. broadcast was on CBS on the 14th of September 1968. Aggregated ratings gives this 9.2 million. So not as many people watched this as the girl who was death. Make <laughs> of that what you will. This episode was filmed sixth in the run, uh, because they had Leo McKern who had just filmed the chimes of Big Ben. So they filmed these two back to. Back. It was originally planned to be the 13th episode and cliffhanging season finale. Had they decided to do more very quickly, it became apparent to McGowan that this wasn't something he wanted to do for a long time, and they held it back to be the penultimate episode leading into the series finale, Fall Out.
1: Isn't the synopsis on this episode? So oversimplified that it's just kind of a synopsis of the series. Yes, pretty
2: much, because essentially this is a play between two people just banging the shit out of each other. To the point, Leo McKern had a nervous breakdown. (laughs) Literally or just literally? No, he literally had a nervous breakdown because he is not an actor, according to his missus, who turns it off as soon as you go home. Oh. So for the week that he's playing the part, he's living it, and this was such an intense episode on the two of them. And McGowan was such a bastard in maintaining the 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 the, um, the intensity of it all that McGowan ended up having to to go home and rest. <laughs> I don't think we mentioned that it was written and directed by Patrick McGowan. I don't. There was no pseudonym on this one, was there? Not that I remember. Uh
0: No, no, no. I don't see one.
2: So he takes full credit for it or blame, depending on your point of view. <laughs> and there's plenty to go around. Uh, script editor George Markstein, who was still around at this time, thought this script was gibberish. Again, make of that what you will. I thought it was an absolutely splendid one act play even though it's four act with two actors just going hell for leather at each other on a very cheap set many great episodes of television have been made the same it is largely carried by the two actors Uh, there's some cool stuff in there like um, six refusing to say six the idea that he's in control from the minute that he walks in the room he probably thinks you're in charge now I am this, in many ways, you can argue, is what he's been waiting for than to just drop the pretense and make the play so that he can use all the tools in his arsenal to fight back, which is manipulation and intensity and the fact that he just absolutely will not bend. That's who he is. He's been like that for 14 episodes. He's not going to change now.
1: I would say, and it's not a good reflection on me, quite frankly, but I would say I'm starting to experience a little fatigue in the show. And if they had a little bit more plot development as it went along, or story moving forward, instead of having the, you know, as Davis pointed out, the Gilligan's Island, always going back to the status quo. uh, I think if, if if the story had moved forward, throughout this series, I would not have that same fatigue that I have, and I would be more intrigued by it. But going into every episode, kind of anticipating that we're going to go back to the same kind of status quo when it's over, I have, again, developed a little fatigue with it, and it's I'm finding it less intriguing as it's going on. I did not think this was a bad episode, but following up The Girl Who Was Death, I had less patience for it than I probably would have if it had been – You know on its own uh so you know this one i found it conceptually intriguing but it didn't really ever pull me in
2: see i i think this one's great i think this is a return to farm after three weeks of off concept essentially paddling that's what they're doing they were wheel spinning by mcguin's own reckoning the seven key episodes of this show and maybe they shouldn't have made 17 but i think there's a number of those that he doesn't consider key episodes that are really good and enjoyable last Mm -hmm. week's not being one of them but this i i find this one really intriguing and intense because it is the final attempt to just break him But they're trying to break him for reasons that are nebulous. He's already said in an episode, I think, that he's not resigned for any of the reasons they think he's resigned. He's resigned because he's just fed up. He's fed up of whatever job it was he had. Now, whether you subscribe to the idea that he's John Drake or not is irrelevant, really. He's fed up of the job he had. He's fed up of the secrets he's had to keep. He's fed up of the missions that he's had to undergo for the greater good. He's finally realizing that there may not be a greater good, that this is what's interesting that I'm looking forward to talking about when we do our wrap-up about how I've took something completely different from it this time around than I ever took before. And there's a certain element there of – there's a quote somewhere, I can't remember where I read it. There's It may be from McGowan. There's truth and freedom. And you can be true and know what's true but still acknowledge that, yeah, you're really free, really, are we? Are we really? There's so much CCT surveillance and CCTV surveillance and there's so much monitoring of everything we do. They're trying to move away from cash now so they can monitor everything you spend on your debit cards. My son applied for a mortgage and was told he couldn't have one because he spent too much on dinner. He was not allowed to buy food Because they felt that would interfere. They couldn't have done that if he'd not been forced to use his debit card by this whole COVID thing of, well, we don't move cash around. Even though, as far as I'm aware, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, as far as I'm aware, there was no proof that money spread COVID. So why are they moving us away from money? Why are the people in charge doing this? Why do you think they're doing it? And these are the things that he was fed up of. These are the things that he was tired of. And then he's gone into the village and on the face of it, it's a lovely place to live. We've discussed many, many times doing this show. What's his problem? It's lovely. It's got a nice beach. It's got a lovely sea. It's got a nice tea house. Yeah, you may have to do a little bit of work here and there for your work units, but everything's there for you. But he's not free. Not really. And more than anything, that's my takeaway this time. And is that because I've just become more cynical as I've got older? The more you realise how much you're being monitored and how much other people have on you that you may not want them to have, but you've got no choice because that's the way society has moved you. And there are certain things you can't fight against. If they completely phase out money, what are you going to do about it? Can you fight City Hall? And ultimately, that's what this is about, I felt. It was him. It's number six. Finally, getting them to the point where they are going all out for him. Hell for leather to break him, but they're not going to. Because what he's fighting for isn't something you can break.
1: I think that is a very interesting way to look at it, and I find it really, really bothersome what happened to Michael in applying for a mortgage. I'm assuming it's Michael, not Adam. Yeah. Uh, it's it's it it really is disturbing, and it it just kind of gives you that big brother feeling uh, that's been just you know, ramping up over the last few years with COVID. Uh, but then you, you top that off even with the fact that, like, if you have a conversation about something, all of a sudden you start seeing ads for it in mm-hmm. your feed on Facebook. Yeah. How
2: many times have you searched for, I don't know, holiday or something? And then you just get constant emails, constant Facebook ads, constant Twitter ads about that one thing you've just searched for.
1: It, it, it's the
2: algorithms very, are there all the time.
1: It's very disturbing. I I don't question that for a second uh so you know that that lining it up with that does give a little bit more uh weight to the series i don't know that it necessarily give, puts more weight on the episode but to the series most certainly um again the you know i i am still again dealing with a little fatigue on the ep- on the series though uh but you still lost for six years. Uh huh. And and you know what? Quite <laughs> frankly, uh, when I was watching Lost, and it finally ended, I was not really satisfied with how it ended. Oh, not at least be, because I didn't really find the ending all that intriguing and, and you know it, there wasn't a relief to oh that's what they were doing basically they kind of did exactly what everybody was saying they were doing from the beginning that they just kept denying mm-hmm. anyway when i rewatched lost during the pandemic and i was looking for things to watch and i binged it i found it much much more satisfying because i was able to compartmentalize it and kind of enjoy the individual episodes for the ride rather than trying to bring myself to the conclusion and perhaps i've fallen into the same trap with this series that even knowing that you know there's going to be frustrations with it uh i keep looking for things to move forward and for things to happen where you know that there's a, a, a narrative through line and we really haven't had that in the series so i think you know that's my issue and again, I, as I said, when we first started, I see that as more of a reflection on me. And maybe it's because of the way we're watching it. And, you know, instead of just sitting back and enjoying the ride, I'm, I'm trying to analyze and move forward and, and critique these episodes as they go forward.
2: It could see you and Dave both said that in the early days and me and Bill just kind of like side eyed each other and didn't want to <laughs> say anything. Ultimately. <laughs> if you were looking for a through line, I think you are going to be disappointed because TV didn't do that in the sixties. The fact that it even has a final episode, think about that. That's unusual in, in both on both sides of the Atlantic. The Saint doesn't have a final episode. The fact that the fugitive did was unusual. And it's by and large only shows that are calling their own shots that got final episodes. Chia's got one Magnum got one. But a lot of the others we grew up watching didn't. Six million dollar man doesn't have a last episode. By woman 15, kind of does. It took yeah. 15 years to get the Gilligan off the island. See? And, so, so and he then he ended, ended up back, the back there again. Line. And I think the problem with it is I don't know that this was a series idea. McGowan <laughs> considers it a failure, ultimately. He thinks he was trying to do something different within the ITC action adventure formula and he considers it a failure to do that. I disagree with him, but then again, I am, I am
1: someone who often thinks that the artist is the last person you ask about the art. I, I
3: found it fatiguing as well, to be honest. After the last episode, it probably didn't help that I watched them back to back
2: see i think that's a big part of this we if we were gonna do two back to back this was the wrong two to do in all honesty i think you need a break before you watch once upon a time you certainly need a break after watching once upon a time you don't go straight into fallout
1: you yeah, can't I, I i think uh well not so much for once upon a time but i think the <coughs> girl who was death hurt this episode the girl who was death was the thing
2: but that's what i watched the girl who was death on tuesday because I, I obviously, I have the benefit of knowing what's coming. So I wanted that one out of the way so I could watch this one on its own. And kind of separate from The Girl Who Was Death. Because I knew what I knew what I thought of it before we recorded it. Watching it again didn't change my mind. I couldn't wait to get to this episode. I couldn't <laughs> as well. I, I genuinely do love this one. I'm a big fan. Like when Deep Space Nine did duets. It's two actors in a room going at each other. I think this one's great. I think this one plays into that whole seven ages of man thing that they talk about being Shakespeare and that they revert him to infantile behavior. And then slowly as they go along, they get older and older and then start fighting it out. I'm, I am was genuinely impressed with this by a piece of 1960s TV. I'll be honest with you, even as a kid, it is so drastically different from anything else that was erring. And I think there's also an element of that as well. TV's matured an awful lot over the past 10 years, maybe 20. I think you can argue a case Hill Street Blues started the maturity of American television, where the realisation was it didn't all have to be done in one in 48 minutes plus commercials every week. It could have continuing narratives and continuing story arcs. And although this doesn't play into that, it does lean into the idea that not every episode has to be just a variation on the same thing. You know, we all know and love television shows that are formulaic as hell. You can time your watch by when David Banner is going to turn into the Hulk. You can time your watch by, all right, we're 44 minutes in, oh, it's going to blow shit up. That's, that was the nature of formulaic television. And very few of them tried something different. The ones that did are the ones that have aged better. The fact that this did this as an ITC show is quite remarkable. There's nothing wrong with a lot of their other stuff. I love Space 1999 and UFO, but the ones that stick in your head are the ones that break concept. And this one breaks concept brilliantly, much better than a couple of the others they've done that break the concept, because this still at least does feel like the culmination of everything we've been watching. And the fact that it's a number two that has come back gives it more weight. Than if it was just another number two, because there's been good ones there's been weak ones, Leo McCern was one of the good ones
1: mm-hmm. Leo McKern was definitely a positive in this episode, as far as I was concerned. Watching him on the screen is is enjoyable uh in a very uncomfortable way <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you know he 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 commands your attention and he's a number two that can. At least, you know, for, for purposes of charisma and screen presence, he can go toe to toe with Magoen. Yes.
2: I like even they, though <laughs> even though we had a, a nearly had a breakdown because of it. <laughs> I like
0: his introduction in this episode that he is just a he's almost like he's a pawn or a piece of the village that he's just raised up out of the ground in the control room. Well, well, not the control one, but in the number two room mm. He's just raised up out And he's standing there And, and there's a miniature rover in his chair and Yeah, he's rover's like, in his chair <laughs> Just showing that he's really
2: You know, he's not in tr- Get, Remove it, remove it Well, he actually says, doesn't he I am not an inmate
0: mm. Oh, really?
2: Are you? But, <laughs> but he is He's yes. just as much an inmate as anybody else which, again, is another core concept, I think, behind watching the series this time. And again, like I said, I don't know if it's because I'm older. I don't know if because I'm more cynical. I don't know if it's the times in which we live. I have no idea. Could be any of those things. Could be all of those things. Could be none of those things. But we are. We're just as much an inmate as, as number two is.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So who would
0: you guys recast or would like to see is as number two this time around?
3: Number two work for. Who does number two work for? That's right, buddy. You show that turn who's
1: boss.
2: I, I, you know, I don't know because it, it all depends on who's playing six. You need two actors that can go toe to toe like this with each other.
0: See, I, I thought know, I had
1: good ones on this.
0: I know who I got. I'm, I I'm only very got one. happy
1: with my choices on this one. And but I,
0: I'll go last in case I steal
1: somebody's. Okay. Well, I. I I don't know, one of mine might tickle you a little. Uh I have you know, the contemporary guy, I have James Gregory. James Gregory. I thought I thought he oh. could he could I, handle it.
3: Yeah.
1: Uh and I thought I thought I feel like he has a similar not I'm not talking to charisma or any of that, but just as far as his ability to present the character i feel he is in some way similar to McKern, Uh, so i thought he could do it well and then to go modern and bill you you should like i have christopher walken
0: (laughs) (laughs) i i didn't yeah okay yeah
2: see the only the only two i could come up with that are this level of intensity in a one-on-one scene Was Robbie Coltrane and Robert Carlyle in an episode of Cracker, which Mm. is an absolutely brilliant series from the 90s. I think the early to mid 1990s, Robbie Coltrane was Fitz, who worked with the police as a psychological examiner. And this episode is the one where Robert Carlyle is a murderer and he murders Christopher Eccleston in the street in front of his wife and daughter. So that makes it personal and Fitz and him have this scene where they catch him, because while he's dying, Eccleston records a testimony. I am full sound of mind and body. I know I'm not coming out of this alive. I am telling you who did this. And they catch him. And the last episode is just those two actors beating the shit out of each other in in one room together. Just a psychological cross-examination of Robert Carlyle by Robbie Coltrane. And it is one of the finest pieces of television that's ever been made. And they were the only two I thought that I immediately thought had this level of intensity.
3: I don't know. I went with Rip Torn the first time around. I would either leave it with him or go with Victor Buono. Hmm.
2: But who's is he going up against, Magoo though? In this, that's that's the thing. I can't. You can't just recast two in this one. Who's he going toe to toe with? The hard part is,
3: well, it's uh, you know, they're 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 knocking heads together, but there was also an affectionate part yeah. between them. A weird, and, and, and yeah. That's what I'm having the problem with To be honest Well if you pick Victor Bono
0: you could just do Adam West <laughs> <laughs> I don't know uh, Well don't feel bad Dave I didn't recast My number six
3: Okay good
0: <laughs> I only I would see Brian Blessed As
2: uh As number two I I think somebody like John Thaw as well John Thorne could have pulled this off
1: The, the funny thing is uh, when we were talking Harry Potter movies on Is It Yours I think I had Brian Blessed in every role but uh, just by way of callbacks in case people either haven't listened or don't remember when we covered the Chimes of Big Ben which was the fourth episode of the series uh, and Leo McKern was in it I had recast him as John Ray's davies uh, Bill had picked the two, you know, the contemporary and the modern, and he did uh, Robert Morley and Toby Jones. Dave did Rip Torn, as he said, uh, and Andy was also Robert Morley. So we, we feel it feels like we're hitting an impasse here. What else have we got? It's got to be more on this episode.
3: I always make sure when I lock someone up, I put them in a cell with a massive knife in the drawer. <laughs> I mean, what could possibly go wrong with that? And alcohol, right? And
2: alcohol. We cover everything in this prison. <laughs> well, they were there a week. You know, I was surprised there wasn't a toilet. No, it
0: there was because they said it has it, it, its own uh, waste. Uh, oh, they know.
2: did. Yeah. Yeah. yep, right.
3: yep. Yeah. Correct, all. So, so do 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 we? I'm just curious. Do we believe that uh, number six was a on a, Obama during the war, or that was just symbolic?
0: I don't know. I mean, I guess technically he could have been the right age. be in the war right
3: oh yeah right, definitely
0: yeah i mean i uh did you get all right if you watch this on archive.org you wouldn't have had subtitles but i watched it because i was curious about the subtitles because i wanted to see if i missed anything so Mm. i was watching on amazon which had annoying commercials but you know whatever the subtitles couldn't keep up with the actors. No, because wow. they were so six, five, you know, five five, five, and he's six, five, because you know and it's, they're going back and forth, and then like some it just says mumbling because they, they couldn't even figure out what they were saying. Uh, it was, it was, it was almost just as fascinating to try to read the subtitles as it was to watch it.
2: Hmm. Yeah, because they were hammering at each other really, really quickly. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, originally it was called Degree Absolute, which two says is a legitimate uh, psychoanalysis, which it's not. It's just a play on Decree Absolute, isn't it? From um, when you get divorced. Hmm. I like that he, he needed approval to do this. Yeah. But even though they were making it, whoever's on the other end of the phone is making it quite clear you know, you're not in charge. So he's already going into it from a position of not being in charge. Mm -hmm. And I do, I, I, one of the things that you do wonder about all this, I mean, I know it's metaphor, but do they spend this much time on other people in the village?
1: (laughs) I've wondered that throughout this entire series, how he seems to be the focus of uh, all of their efforts and everybody else is just kind of going along. And you got to think in the background somewhere, There's other people who are being just as intensely scrutinized. Yeah. Or everyone else just gave
2: it all. There you go. I don't care anymore. They built this
3: entire place just for him.
1: Yep. That's the way that the series feels. Although, you know, you just have to kind of accept that that can't be the case. Well,
3: maybe uh, he's just
1: more valuable than other people. Well, you know, I can accept that he is more valuable. I can also accept that he is the most capable of resisting them, because if he wasn't, why are we doing a whole series about him? Uh, So I'm okay with that idea. But there has to be other people who are resisting or attempting to resist and then maybe stumble along the way and. You know, give in, But. I don't think everybody else immediately just gets to the village and then spills their guts on everything they know. I got I got to assume that there are other people who have to go through these psychological uh, warfare things that that go on, you know.
2: And there's also the, the idea that, that he may be the most high up person they've ever had, just flat out resigned. Not retire or whatever. But if he was that high up in the in the system, why did he not know this place existed?
0: Yeah, that's a good point as well. Mm-hmm. Like we said early on, who watches the watchers?
2: Yeah, because <laughs> it certainly seems that the people directly above him that have made appearances in the show knew about it, because it seems like they're the ones that have sent him here.
3: And again, well, I've said this before. Nobody wonders what ever happened to, you know. Oh, Charlie retired. Never sends a card. Never, never calls.
2: <laughs>
3: Whatever happened <laughs> to him?
2: <laughs> well, he doesn't meet us for lunch anymore? To, why do we seem down the pub anymore? Where is James <laughs> Bond these days? Hmm. To paraphrase
0: uh, Sean Bean, one simply does not resign. There
1: well, will. <laughs> it it to also to on that concept there. It doesn't feel like in that particular profession you have that many people that would live to resign. True. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And, and, and it, it just seems like a blow, doesn't it?
1: Walk
0: away at the the peak of their powers.
1: They could they just could just probably give, all up. give like a really 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 big pension because you know <laughs> not too many people collect it anyway. Mm-hmm.
0: So, uh, I guess the, uh, the butler gets the whip number six with a cane. Oh, you know, (laughs) bit of BDS I'm just throwing in the, got to close that door. We don't want to
1: see that. Yeah, I kind of like the butler being more, uh, what do you think the butler's thinking? He's guy. like,
0: why do I have to be in here? What did I do? Yes. What, what why, the heck, I, why am I sticking here for a week?
2: Am what I getting extra pay yourself? for this? Yeah, yeah. I have lots of other crap they yeah, get out to do. They get paid? They must do. <laughs> <most of them. laughs>
3: Poor guy. And he's thinking, boy, in season two, my part's going to get even bigger.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I am so looking forward to this going on for years and years. This is my breakout role. <laughs> and my role. paycheck, yeah, improving. It's actually quite sad. Angela Muscat didn't get a lot of other roles after The Prisoner. He was in Wizard of Oz, because every short person was in The Wizard of Oz. Hmm. But he died in 1977 in a basement flat, practically broke. Oh, Which
1: is quite sad. He would have had, He would have been in line to play tattoo on... Uh... Fantasy yeah. Island. On,
2: on one of the many reboots of Fantasy Island that seem to keep cropping up. Why do we keep bringing that back?
1: I guess as a concept, it's kind of interesting, you know, for a for a uh, an anthology show. It's it's kind of it's like a kind of a combination of the Love Boat and the Twilight Zone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he was in Oopaloopa and Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory.
2: Oh yeah, not the Wizard of Oz. Sorry.
1: Yeah, I, when you said that, I, I thought, wow, he must be a lot older than I thought, even at the time this is filmed. But I guess he could have, you know, he, he could have been a young, very young actor when The Wizard of Oz was. He was, was young, in Doctor yeah. Who. Huh? Which episode of Doctor Who was he in?
0: He was in a, the uh, Galaxy Four serial. Like, oh, uh, right, that's in is the that Doctor Who. Uh, it says '65, so that would be. That'd still be Hartnell, no, wouldn't it? Yeah, on the edge yeah somewhere yeah, okay fair enough yep yeah yeah the first doctor yeah and hmm, he played a chumbly
2: a chumbly I'm robot sure but yes i i like this one i think it plays well into the series strengths i think it's a good culmination of what we've seen i think it's a shame that it follows a couple of episodes that were slightly lesser but i mean some people are arguing as well if you read up on it that six has regressed ever so slightly. Whereas in the more recent episodes, he seems to have settled more into not being as antagonistic and more into the role of, well, all right, I'm here. So I'm just going to screw around with you every opportunity I get. Whereas here he's back to being bullheaded. But I think that's just down to the fact that this was film six. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Because he, what comes up to the guy in the, um, What uh, the courtyard or whatever Mm, uh, around the fountain and he's going, what is your number? One, two, three. And he just keeps counting up numbers. And the guy's like, don't talk to me. Leave me alone.
2: He's back to being bullheaded. Number six, which makes sense if
0: this was. Yeah, yeah, this was. Yeah, this was the sixth one filmed, which is why they still still had uh, footage at Port Marion, too. Yes, because, again, for the most part, this is all in, in one room, isn't it? Mm hmm. I know, I, I forgot to ask you a question about last episode. The amusement park.
2: Yes. is that still exist? No, it closed in 1973. Oh. Okay. There's no way that amusement park would pass today's health and safety. Oh, I, I, I was wondering because
0: I'm like, hmm, some pretty <laughs> rickety looking rides
2: yeah. there. You can just
0: stand up and step over those seats on that roller coaster and right. stand up. And I'm well, like, hmm. this is an aside.
2: And I'm sure Angela will correct me. We were at Universal Studios and we were on one of the log flumes. Which one was it, Ange? Was it was it Jurassic Park or Toon-Lagu- Toon Lagoon that Adam stood up in? <laughs> right, we're on the Jurassic Park log flume. This was ages ago. He was only little. And as you're coming down... Adam literally stood up for the photo because they didn't have bars at that mm. point. And it was a couple of years later before we went again. But the next time we went, they had the lower bars. And you will never convince me that wasn't because of him. Because <laughs> he stood at the side. He just stands up to all his fault. You know, you get your photo taken as you come down. And me and Andrew both like, sit down! We
1: <laughs> yeah, call that the, it, la- yeah. the Leyland rule. Yeah, I remember the... the uh, the Dudley Do-Right Ripsaw Falls. It may have been that one. The I first know, time was, we went on awesome. that, yeah. when, and Melissa was very little at the time, probably, I can't even think of what, what age she was, but she just barely made the height for it. And then it was kind of an inverted bench that you sat with, you know, one leg yep. on each side. Yep. Uh, and I was so afraid of her falling out of the thing that I sat behind her. And again, she was small at the time. And I just kind of like pushed my knees against her sides just to make sure I was holding her in to keep her from standing up and, and falling out or anything. But uh, the next time we went, there were bars. <laughs> so we can't have been the only one doing that stuff. <clears throat> so do you picture Leo, Leo McCurran doing that with number six on the yep. uh, log room?
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, they were on that makeshift board-slash-plane up in the air.
2: I imagine that Leo would toss it off. What Got do you think of
1: the whole concept of regressive thre- therapy? They've played with that before, haven't they? Not the same so, way they did here.
2: No, but a variation on mind games. I think mean, it works for the episode. I don't know how legitimate it is.
1: Yeah, I, I, I suspect it's really not very legitimate at all, honestly. Hmm. It seems just, or at least the way it's presented here didn't feel very realistic to me. No, I, I didn't think so either. But I think in order to make it feel realistic, you'd probably have to do like a season of this. <laughs> you know, I don't I don't think you could just say, yeah, we're doing regressive therapy. Yeah. OK. Uh, now, the first step is this and then we do this. You know, it, it just would have been too cumbersome to have them have have them have to really bring you through the process. And if they did, who knows? Maybe then I would say, oh, that makes total sense. But Mm. without all of that, it just seems a little far-fetched.
2: Yeah. And then, obviously, the ending where number two dies. I didn't quite buy why he died. (laughs) Um, Lost
1: the will to live.
2: Well, Uh, because...
1: Somebody's uh, yelling,
0: die at him. Well, I mean, the, (laughs) the first time I watched it, that was kind of like like when I was a a young lad that it was like, wow, did he just talk him to death? Yeah. <laughs> he he was like, all right, all right well, you've shot, you do yeah. this to computers, he I'm going to one-up you now. <laughs> you know, and, and now it's just more, it's just like number two is just so terrified that he's going to fail, I think is what, it's his failure killed him. Yeah, but it's just that it's, you know, he's going, you know. Six is is called. ah Yeah, because he totally flipped the script on him and and took everything over, you know. Be, he went, went, see, he knows I'm in charge. <laughs> the butler's like, yep, yep, you're
2: the man. Well, let's be honest, his plan wasn't great. If you actually look what he'd written on the blackboard, <laughs> it was literally <laughs> find missing link, put it together. bang. Like, it's, there's, there's, there's quite a lot of work between those two steps well, that you need to do
0: what is it uh the thing in south park uh what the the underwear gnomes steal underwear you know step one take underwear step two profit yeah <laughs> it's like it, wait a minute what about all the steps in
2: between yeah, yeah it didn't seem like it was the there. most developed plan in the world <laughs> what could go wrong mm. I mean, I did like all of the the fairy tale music going through it. Right? You had boys and girls come out to play. Oh my god! I, a little star. I, and
0: I had forgot about. Uh... All right, one. I don't think I'm ever gonna sleep with a lamp above my head again as long as I live. <laughs> you know, that'll come down and engulf my face, and then and then suddenly Leo McKern's in the room going, "Jack and Jill went up the <laughs> hill." Oh <laughs> my god! <laughs>
3: That's a pill of water.
0: <laughs> man that was unnerving that was really unnerving it was even unnerving with you doing it. <laughs> <laughs> i think you did it better <laughs> and it, it was a, more unnerving with bill doing it and i and, and i was wasn't yelling at full volume like he was i was trying to keep it down a little bit <laughs> but that was i i mean oh yeah there, there, there's so many good scenes in this I mean, the whole, the whole, you know, he kicks everybody out of the control room and he's looking mm-hmm. at the stuff and, oh, yeah. And even, even, you know, the supervisor's like, yeah, okay, what, double time, what, they're going to charge overtime? What, what, what? I, I don't get it. Time to clock out. Yeah.
3: Everybody's on time and a half.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so there's a, I don't know if we'll, maybe we should discuss this after and like, after the last episode because I don't uh there's a sequel to this, but I don't know if it encompasses Fallout. There's the four issue uh Shattered Visage.
2: Yeah, um, that's the comic book, doesn't
0: it? Yeah, it that's a sequel to this episode. I don't think it's a sequel to the final episode. Um which oddly enough, until like just uh a few weeks ago, I didn't realize there was a fourth issue. I only had A, B, and 'cause they're because they're lettered like A, B, and C. I didn't, mm. a, I didn't know there was I don't know where there's a D and I don't have it.
2: But you not have D. Oh man. No, I don't have D. Oh, so that's, that's unfortunate. Yeah.
0: So I might have to try to find it uh is, like it's uh it's in a, you know, complete graphic novel,
2: so I might have I've to got the oh, I've it. got the trade paperback.
0: Oh, I got
2: the okay. 1980s tread purple, I got a rock. <laughs> so i am show my friends. So
0: I haven't read it oh god since it came out which was like uh 1988 <laughs> mm. so i mean because that's because i was buying it off the stands and i think oh you know what i bet you i know why i didn't get the last issue i think i went in the navy, in the navy. <laughs> so so yeah that was probably what 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 happened why i i just fe- it just fell off the radar mm. so but okay. uh what should we talk about that
2: here or we'll talk about it no, later because like i've not reread it
0: yeah okay all
2: right yeah i've got it i've got it queued up i've got that and i've got the new one from idw i think i got one or two of those uh as well um so i was going to read them for the last one that we do the one that wraps it all up mm. although i think oh no i can't say that yet can i no, yeah, yeah. I think we should do a totally off-concept final episode. <laughs> <laughs> but hey,
0: maybe we'll just sing some Beatles songs mm-hmm.
2: backwards. <laughs> discuss... You're playing your records backwards. You are Satan.
3: We're gonna discuss the merits of Sheriff Lobo for the last episode.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I would have to watch Sheriff Lobo.
3: What? You never watched that? I think you would get a kick out of some of them. I never saw Sheriff Lobo.
0: You get what? What's his name? uh, From Planet of the
2: Apes, on there?
0: Claude Claude Akins. The Sheriff Lobo. You watch BJ and the Bear. You know who Sheriff Lobo is.
2: It was a spinoff from BJ and the Bear. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, For some reason, if we got it, I never saw it. Maybe it didn't
1: run very long. I'm pretty sure you're you're on the top of the list of the Greg, Greg Evigan fan club. I am. Uh, you know, tech war. totally though for tech War. Mm,
2: yeah, William Shatner. Uh, my two doubts.
1: Or or a year at the top. <laughs> I never saw that. It was it only lasted, I think, five episodes, uh, but it, it was a pretty weird show where uh, him and Paul Schaefer sold their souls to the devil to become uh, rock stars for a year. Mills
2: Watson is in the Misadventures of Sheriff Lobo. Oh, he yeah. was he was in. Everything. He was a bad guy in the A team every other week, I think.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. He's uh Lobo's um inept uh
3: deputy. Deputy he's Perkins. He's like Yeah, he's like Cletus and Enos except not smart.
2: <laughs> God, yeah, he was in everything. Rockford, A team, chips, Fall Guy, Murder She Wrote, six million dollar man. I'm sure he was in um Alias Smith and Jones at some point. Mills Watson, blimey, O'Reilly.
3: Lobo had a Cadillac Seville for a patrol car. Man, he's still alive.
1: Yeah, Mills Watson's still alive. Wow. Yeah. He's in two Fur episodes play. of a $6 million man. Fair player to him. He was in Cheech and Shanks up in smoke. <laughs> Good for him.
0: Good for him for not dying. Maybe Mills what? Watson could have, could have, we could
1: recast him as,
0: uh, as number two as in this, number episode. Two, yeah? no, right, this episode. No, this is for
1: two seasons. <laughs> if if I, you I'm didn't sorry. have to use, if you didn't have to use a little person in the role, couldn't he be the butler? Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, he could be the butler,
0: and you just say some smart offhand comment.
2: The butler didn't speak. Wow. Wow, this is a this is a who's who of eighties television, isn't it? Frank Lupo, Glenn Larson, blimey, Coach directed an episode. Do you know Can
3: what ruined that show? Out? I'll tell you what ruined that show. The second season, they moved it to Atlanta. Um, you know when that they could- killed off all the rural shows.
1: Eleven this—I mean, this is not a Sheriff Lobo podcast. No, you can um, cut all
2: of, We were only talking about that while you went away. You can cut it all
1: <laughs> But the—you uh, know—they they had th- those rural shows were huge in the '60s, mm-hmm. and then they decided, well, that—that's not where the money for the advertising comes. So they really, you know, brought them down to a, you know a, a minimal number in the '70s, and Sheriff Lobo was you know like a rarity. Oh, anyway. they moved it to Atlanta, anyways. How about that prisoner show?
3: what did I Dwayne think it would have been this? much better with Claude Aikens this episode <laughs> well what's
0: our well, what's our
1: ratings before we get into uh honest I, I have my level of fatigue that I talked about, and I think if I didn't have – I'm trying to remove myself from the level of fatigue to try and give a fair rating to the episode on its own.
2: We shouldn't uh, have watched this back-to-back with The Girl Who Was Death.
1: Probably shouldn't have because I think, yeah, I think The Girl Who Was Death really hurt this episode in its own way. So trying to be more objective and remove that element from it, uh, I don't think I'm at a six, but I, my instinct is a four-and-a-half. But I might be a five if I was really fair. I
3: I think I could removing the fatigue factor. Uh, I say four bombing missions. <laughs> I give it a
0: uh see I can't say the number. <laughs> i give it a six as well
1: all right so that's what we thought but in this penultimate episode what did blaine say
0: uh what did blaine say today
1: (laughs) (laughs) uh blaine says hi
3: guys well things are definitely moving forward as well as backwards we see a classic number two return, which immediately says this episode is going to be different. The surrealism that Magoon likes is very much on display, and once again he has anticipated their tactics and beaten them at their own game. This may be rife with allegory and symbolism, but it's thin on plot and quick to summarize. That doesn't make it less engaging, though. There isn't much more for me to say right now, as with the tale into Deep Space 9, I like to see the story wrap up before getting into detail on stories that are to be continued.
1: So Blaine mirrored my comments on the synopsis uh, being kind of thin. Uh, but, yeah, I, I I agree.
0: Oh, my God. I just realized what this was. Well, OK, if you don't count the butler, it's Thunderdome on the village.
1: Two men enter, one man leaves. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs>
1: no, it's beyond it is. Thunderdome.
0: No, it is because uh, uh, number two and uh, the butler would be Master Blaster. <laughs> wow. No, I never thought of that until just now. <laughs> you put you put Angela Muscat on Leo McKern's shoulders. Yep. There you go. Somebody write that fan fiction.
1: Go. I don't even know where to go with that other than to say, uh Yeah. What are we doing next time?
0: <laughs> what are we doing next? time <laughs> We're gonna what are we out.
1: doing next time
0: <laughs> well next time we might have some fallout from what happened this time the final desperate adventure of the prisoner when he gets a strange reward for being rebellious and an opportunity to meet number one in fallout
3: key to your house Travelers, checks, passport. You are free to go. I, I feel... I, I, right I, right I, right. I, I! Right. I, right. I the I! Right. Right. Did you ever meet him? Did you ever meet number one? Meet him? Ezekiel, crack den. Dry bones, Ezekiel,
0: crack den. Dry bones, Ezekiel, crack den. Dry bones, now hear the word of the Lord. The Prisoner learns what happens to all failures and creates havoc in Fallout. Don't miss the end of this exciting series. See the final episode
1: of The Prisoner on this channel. In what will be the final episode of the series? Well, not our final episode. Not our final episode, but the final episode of the series, The Prisoner. Ooh. So, we'll see you then. We'll be
3: back. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Fetch a pail of water! (laughs) Who are you?
2: The village people. Who are... The supervisor, Paul Spataro. The chess master, Dave Pascarella. Rover, Dr. Bill Robinson. And Andrew Leyland... As the butler, the village people investigating the prisoner.